0: A king? yeah okay wonderful so i want to speak this morning our uh, chief tax collector meets jesus and we'll see what god and what jesus could do and let's read uh, that section of luke chapter 19 the verses 1 to 10 19 1 to 10 he entered jericho and was passing through And there was a man called by the name Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd. For he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree. In order to see him, for he was was about to pass through that way. When Jesus came to this place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay in your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. When they saw it, there were the Pharisees and some other people, when they saw that Jesus was entering, and I have to read the text now, when they saw it, they all began grumbling, saying, He has gone in uh, to be a guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Lord, behold Lord, half of my possession I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone, Of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to what? To seek and save that which is lost. That's the gospel tenant of Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the word of Jesus and for what Jesus did. And Lord, this morning we can read this story as if we are there as well and have seen it. And I thank the Lord Jesus that you love each and every one. Here this morning, I thank the Lord that you will bless our hearts, Lord, and uh, fill us with your Spirit. I thank you, Lord Jesus, and I pray that uh, this morning the Word of God might go forth under the anointing of the Spirit of God and penetrate our hearts in Jesus' wonderful and glorious name. Hallelujah, Lord. I pray, give grace to speak your Word, give grace to listen to your Word, And also give grace to act upon your word in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now the news about Jesus Christ spread very rapidly. And it was just a few hours before when Jesus entered Jericho. There was a great miracle that took place. Jesus gave a blind man his eyesight back. And that was so wonderful. Now Jesus kept, they kept continuing to go through Jericho, and he was going through this place, the city of Palms it was called, and many of the people of Jericho perhaps might have from the point on where Jesus healed the blind Bartimaeus might have joined this group. And they were praising God. Could you imagine what it is? A group of people walking through the streets of, the, of, the, of um, Melbourne, perhaps, lifting up their hands and praising God. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Jesus has done a great miracle. And this man, uh, he was with Jesus. And his name was also named Blind Bartimaeus. He was walking with them. And we can see as something wonderful. That Jesus was in the center of that throng. Many people were surrounding Jesus. And Bartimaeus, surely he was close to Jesus because he followed Jesus from then on. We can read. And as this group of people, like a huge human avalanche, steamrolled... Through the city of, um, of um, Jericho. Zacchaeus got interested. Who is this? What is going on out there? He wanted to see Jesus. And I tell you what. Jesus is wonderful. Where Jesus is moving. There is glory. And there is the glory of God. And may the Lord move in such a way also in Vanuatu. Or in Fiji when you go there. Remember, the mission is this, to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now, Zacchaeus, he got curious. What is going on? He wanted to know what is going on there. Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus for a long time. As uh, people were talking about Jesus, that there is a new prophet coming up, but the Son of God was there, Jesus. And with him, and Zacchaeus expected the presence of God around Jesus. Could you imagine, you were an eyewitness of this happening, that uh, a blind man regained his sight again. What glory was there. What glory was there? Where Jesus is, there is glory and there is the presence of God. What would Jesus look like? Perhaps um, Zacchaeus had thought about it. And the Bible says very clearly, let's turn to Philippians chapter 2, the verses 7 and 8. But emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by, the, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. The Bible says very clearly that Jesus was just a man as well in his outward appearing. But the presence of God was there. Hallelujah. Jesus, or let me say Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus so badly, but he couldn't come to Jesus. He wanted to see Him, and he certainly saw Jesus and all the people going through the streets. I remember revival meetings many, many, many years ago, when I was a boy only perhaps eight to nine years old. And there was in Bremen, in northern Germany, my uh, parents and all my brothers and sisters went to that gospel rally, and God raised up a man in Germany. I don't know whether you have heard his name. His name was Hermann Seiss. Hermann Seiss, he was a gospel preacher. He was a rich man as well. Because he is the one, have you heard about all these, uh, these uh, special glasses for and lenses, you know, for microscopes and so on. And so he was the one who owned the factory. And he was a man of God. He preached the gospel. And I remember when I was there as a little boy, eight years old or nine, the presence of God was in this place. And I remember that night when I was sitting in the front. And one thing I want to say, don't think that kids, eight-year-old boys or girls, don't know anything about God. They do. And they understand something of the presence of God. They do. I understood that Jesus is here. Total opposite of what is perhaps nowadays. It was a gospel rally. And it didn't have all that, that uh, modern music. And, and all that stuff they have sometimes today. And I think they will draw a crowd to the, to the church. By using all these things. Rock music with a little bit of Christian jargon as, uh, as lyrics. There wasn't there. I remember there was a very, very simple song being sung. If anybody is here who understands German, it's Robert here. And my dear brother John, you understand some German. And I want to quote this song. It was not a song uh, very, very lively or what. It was a song that was uh, called Erforsche mich Jesus, mein Licht. Search me, O oh Jesus, by light. Look into the deepest inner parts of my life. And it was, in this chorus, or in a song, it was played by somebody. You know, the, the olden days, when you had a harmonium or something like that, you had to pedal this thing, you know and so on. I had it, when I went in the ministry, I had to do it as well, and uh, this thing didn't go loud enough for me, and I was working very, very hard. And somebody played ammonium, and uh, many people were there. It was nothing impressive, but one thing I sensed, and it was there, the glory of God, the presence of Jesus. I I exchange anything for have the presence of Jesus in our midst. Forget about all that stuff that is being done nowadays. Forget about, but the presence of Jesus must be in our midst. And Jesus is here this morning, amen, hallelujah. I sensed it as a boy. I didn't need any vegetal stories. And it's sometimes nowadays, and people say, Well, we want to bring the gospel to the children. Forget about it. Every child knows whether Jesus is there or not. I sensed it. I sensed it. And I remember a man was brought in. He was very ill on a stretcher, and he was brought to the front. And I was sitting somewhere in the first row there. And I saw this man. Hardly breathing. I don't know what he had. Perhaps something with his lungs or whatever. He was a, a, a man almost dead. But this man, this evangelist, he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he preached also that Jesus can heal people nowadays. Blessed be the name of Jesus. So, and when he preached the presence of God filled my heart. I sensed it as a little boy. Here is Jesus. God is in this place. And had it in my heart such a great conviction. Anything is possible when Jesus is there. Amen. Hallelujah. Jesus did it there. He can do it nowadays too. He can heal people. Amen. Hallelujah. And I'm praying for your son as well. For George. That the Lord might touch him totally. Hallelujah. I'm rejoicing for your son as well. God can do great things. Hallelujah. And one thing is important for every church. We need the presence of Jesus in our midst. Amen. Hallelujah, that's so important. The Bible speaks about even Moses was surrounded by the, by the Shekinah glory. And we can read in Exodus chapter 32, uh, 34, rather, verse 29. It came about when Moses was coming down from Mount Sinai. And the two tablets of the testimony were in Moses' hand. As he was coming down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone because he, because he's speaking with him. You know what I mean? Because Moses was speaking with, with God, and the presence of God was on Moses' life, his skin shone. And Israel couldn't stand it because it was so bright. It was the glory of God. We need the glory of God in our midst and our churches. Wherever the Word of God is being preached, we need the glory of God. And if there are not men of God seeking the Lord in prayers, there will be no glory. Because Moses was speaking with Him with God on the mountain. And the glory of God was Wars upon Jesus. Hallelujah. I read a book. And it's from Charles Finney. Anybody heard about Charles Finney? Yes. Charles Finney was, in the midst of the 19th century, a great American revivalist. And he preached the gospel. Many, many people came to Jesus. And he wrote a book. And this book is called, Revival of Religion. Now, you guess there's one word I don't like in this title. Guess what word is it? Yes. I'm not serving a religion. The gospel of Jesus Christ and Christianity is not a religion. Amen? It's not a religion. Somebody wanted to tell me, say, well, actually it says in the Bible. And I had to look at it. And I wanted to know what the Bible actually says. And I wanted to know, is it really a religion? And it speaks about, I think in James, it speaks about very clearly that a man who is not serving his household, James chapter 1, the verses 26 and 27. And there's that Greek word for supposedly religion. threshkaya That means ministry to God. And that's what I want to do. I want to minister to God. Not being religious to God. Amen. Do we have this morning religious people here? Anybody religious here? You will get no blessings because I am not religious. I'm not religious, and, and people saw me and know that I'm believing in Jesus Christ. And when we pray in the morning on our knees in our office, and sometimes the workers come in and see the boss on their knee on his knees, and people think, oh well, he is religious. And I said something. I'm not religious. I'm not religious. I'm a child of God. It's a difference, Amen. I'm a child of God. Don't come me with religiosity. I hate it. I hate it. So does God hate religiosity? But I love Jesus, Amen. Is something wrong with loving Jesus, Pastor Gary? What do you reckon? Are you religious? No. Okay. So, we have got a non-religious pastor here. Pastor Gary, he should come next Sunday. He is preaching a non-religious sermon. But, he is preaching Jesus. Hallelujah. That's all I want. I want to have Jesus in our midst. Now, coming back to Charles Finney. He was a man who lived with God. And talked with God. And this man... He was in the presence of God. And once he came into a factory and visited that factory. I don't know what the reason was. But as soon as the man came in, all the workers all of a sudden fell under a conviction of the Holy Spirit. Do you know what I I mean when I speak about the conviction of the Holy Spirit? Do you know what it is? All these people came under the conviction of the Holy Spirit just by this man walking through the factory. Because the glory of God was surrounding this man. He was walking and living with Jesus. Hallelujah. People started crying out under conviction of sin. If the glory of God is there, people get convicted of their sin. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? Why do we need the Holy Spirit? Not just to make it a little bit more interesting in our service. No! I need your Holy Spirit. And while I'm preaching, I pray, Spirit of the living God, Fall upon us this morning, Lord, that everybody, even those who don't know you, might come under the conviction of the Holy Ghost. And they were crying out for mercy to God. He even hadn't preached in any way. He just walked through. But the glory of God was there. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Charles Finney, a man of God. And if you read his life story, how many, many got saved. Unfortunately, as I said, the, title has a little, the book has a little bit of a wrong title. It should be called, Revival of the Church. Revival of the life with Jesus, or so. But unfortunately, I understand the Americans, they get it something wrong. And uh, they put the word religion instead of gospel or whatever. Yeah? And so we have to forgive them. Yes, brother. Yes, I know. I know. Yeah. I know that that's what they use. But if you go to the Greek word, they never used it. It was just in Christianity being used, religion. And then that's why I got in school, Christian religious education. And that's all I got, but I didn't hear any about, anything, anything about Jesus. I remember our, our teacher, he taught us Christian religion, and he said, ah, oh, the story with Jonah. And the fish, it's not quite right. There was Christian religion. But if he would have known what the Bible says, it was right. That Jonah was in the fish. And it's not just a fable. It's the truth. Jesus speaks about it. And Jesus, if he spoke about it, and what Jesus said was truth, Jesus didn't preach religion to his people, did he? No, he preached the gospel of G, of, uh, of God. Praise the Lord. Now, there was something happening. Saphir, now he ran on ahead. He couldn't see Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. He ran on ahead. And he chose a sycamore tree. A sycamore tree is a tree that has low branches. And the branches were mainly going horizontal or horizontal horizontal, almost parallel to the floor. It was very easy to climb up on that. And there he stood and he saw Jesus. And next to Jesus he saw Bartimaeus. He knew Bartimaeus from weeks and months before who always were begging, begging at the doors from Jericho. And then he saw Jesus. He looked into our face full of glory. And Jesus' face might have shone in a wonderful way. And Jesus stopped, looked around, and said, Zacchaeus, come down quickly. Today I must, I must enter your house. Jesus said, didn't say, well, uh, uh, if I am allowed to, I would like to I must, and we see Jesus knew that Zacchaeus was prepared by the Spirit of God because something wonderful happening when Jesus came into his house. Now there was an unhesitating obedience now, what did? Zacchaeus do. Zacchaeus was hiding in the tree. And Jesus knows everybody. We? He knows your name. He knows who you are. And if Jesus is calling you, then you must respond. Like Jesus, you know, when he saw at first Nathaniel, You remember the story in John chapter 1, verse 47 to 48. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him, and he said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? How do you know me? What did Jesus say? I saw you when you were under the fig tree. I saw you and before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. And that's why he was able to call him. And Jesus knew also Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus came down to receive Jesus, and we read it here, to see receive him. Gladly. Something happened when he met Jesus. You know what happened? He got, all of a sudden, sudden, he got convicted. And we read in the Bible, and Jesus spoke about in John chapter 16, the verses 8 to 10. And when he comes, and that's the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world concerning sin. And righteousness and judgment concerning sin, listen to this, because they do not believe in me. It is a sin not to believe in Jesus Christ. Did you know that? It is a sin not to believe in Jesus Christ. It's not necessarily just a crime that's called a sin. Not to believe in Jesus Christ is a sin. And that's what the Holy Spirit is going to do to convict people of the sin because they do not believe in Me. Concerning righteousness, because I do go to My Father and You no longer will see Me. Jesus is going to go back to the Father. And then concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world has been judged. There are three things the Holy Spirit will convict a person under the, under the presence of Jesus and presence of God. Is first, convicting of, this, of sin. And Zacchaeus, when Jesus was there, and we read something, and Zacchaeus stood before Jesus. And he made a confession. And what is this confession? He didn't say, oh Jesus, is true, we are all sinners. People say, well, when you talk about sin, and they say, yeah, we are all sinners. The Bible doesn't say that. Did you know that? The Bible says in, in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, they are all sinners. And coming short of the glory of God. The Apostle Paul is referring to the Jews and to the Gentiles. they old all sinners. And it's important that we must understand ourselves personally. I am a sinner. I am a sinner. I need to be saved. And if anybody is here this morning not believing in Jesus Christ... Then that's the sin you have to turn away from. And Zacchaeus, he came to Jesus and said something very important. Verse 8, Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possession I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. Something happening. In his attitude towards money and towards God and his neighbors. Something happening. Jesus didn't say, well, sell everything. He didn't say to him. Because it's very hard for a rich man to go to heaven. Did you know that? The Bible says very clearly, it's very hard for a rich to go into the kingdom of God. Why? You remember the story of this rich ruler who came to Jesus one day and said, what must I do in order to have eternal life? What did Jesus say? Sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And you will have what? A treasure in heaven. And what else? Come and follow me. Because it's the way that money often keeps people away from the kingdom of God. Now all of a sudden, he got cured. He said, Half of my possession I will give to the poor. Not in order to start perhaps a uh, social program. No, he knew the money he earned was not rightful earned. It was stolen. And we have to understand, he was a chief tax collector. It was about this then. The Romans couldn't bother about collecting the taxes. They got some Jews and some other people, and there was about for five years a contract available for people in order to earn some money on the side to become a tax collector. Now he was a chief tax collector. He was he had his own tax agency and he employed some other tax collectors. You know what that means? All these tax collectors they had to calculate with him and he got from them money and then also money from the people. So, of course that's why he got rich and the milking of the government cow was easy to be milked. And he got rich. You understand what I mean? Because the government has money. And then it was also... Because for five years they could get a contract. But also they had to commit themselves to fulfill a certain amount of money to collect. And if they couldn't get it together... They had to fill up with their own private money. And they wouldn't do that. They made sure they took enough money from the people. Don't you think so? They made sure. And now he says, Lord, half of my possession I give to the poor. And Jesus realized this man wants to get right with God in regards to his financial situation. I need to get right with God. Is your heart right with God? Is your heart right with God? And then he said, And if, there was no if, But he said, well, and even if I've defrauded someone, took more than I was allowed. And the Romans did it especially so that people were enticed to take the job of a tax collector because these people were hated by the Jews. And if I've defrauded anyone, I will give it back. What? What? You know what the, what the rule actually was? In Leviticus and also in Exodus, Exodus, we can read it. The rule was if somebody realized that he did wrong and stole some money or whatever and wanted to make restitution, he only gave one-fifth on of, of top. Of the original sum. And if somebody was. Convicted. Of wrongdoing. Defrauding. Anyone. The law was. He should give it twice as much. And all of a sudden here. Uh, he got convicted by the Holy Spirit. And he said what? I give four times of much. As much. When I have. Defrauded anyone. And Jesus saw this man. Something happened in his life. Hallelujah. And we can read it in regards to this rich ruler. And Jesus said, How hard is it for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God because the money is sticking to their fingers. The money is sticking to their fingers. It is easier for a camel to, to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And people who heard it of Jesus said, Well, who then can be saved? What did Jesus say? Now listen, what did Jesus say? What? With man it is impossible. With God it is possible. Hallelujah. Why is it impossible for man? Because we stick too much on our money, isn't it? And the lust of money is what? Root of all evil. evil. If there's money sticking to your fingers and you're not prepared to give what Jesus once. Jesus didn't say you have to do it. There was a change of heart in his life. Amen? He said, Free, freely. I want to give it. I want to get right with God. And being right with God, is that what Jesus came for. When your sin are being confessed, then your sins Will be forgiven. Hallelujah. And Jesus said something here. Jesus said something here. Today. Today. You understand the word? Today. Now, now, now. In this very moment. Something happening in this household. What was it? Today, salvation has come to this house. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Salvation comes to everybody when our sins are being confessed. And a change of mind. And you all know the Greek word for change of mind, repentance. That is the word meta Metanoia. Is it right, all you Greek over there? Is it right? Metanoia. That means a change of mind. Get somebody changed in his mind in regards to money, there is a real change taking place in his life. Amen? Hallelujah. And God bless you, my dear brother. Yes, we did it gladly. To give you the money. We trust you. Because you love the Lord too. Don't you? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you. In this work. And we are happy to be part of it. Amen. Happy to be part of it. Glory. Today. Salvation has come. To this. House. And Jesus makes a little comment too. Because there were some people not quite happy with what Jesus did. There are so many people they are not happy with Jesus. I don't care. I don't care. We read when they realized that Jesus is going to be with the sinner, Zacchaeus, and he started to, what did he do? Murmur. ah. He he shouldn't do that because he is a sinner. Jesus couldn't care less, amen? Jesus does care less and if somebody comes to him whether he's a sinner or not and gives his life to Jesus gets converted and born again Uh, he doesn't care what people say. Today, salvation has come to this house, and what is, what does Jesus say here the little sentence because he is also a son of he is a son of Abraham. Now all you Jews who are condemning me, perhaps that I'm going into the house, listen, he belongs to the same house of Israel, a son of Abraham. He is one of yours. And then Jesus says the wonderful word. And that's the tenor of salvation, the tenor of mission. The Son of Man has come, what? To seek and to save the goody goodies. No. He has come to seek and save the ones who are lost. Hallelujah. Zacchaeus was lost, but now he is found. He was blind, and now he sees. Do you know this wonderful hymn, Amazing Grace? Amazing Grace. And each time it blesses my heart when I sing it. Once I was lost, was blind, and now I, Heavenly Father, we thank you for such a wonderful gospel.